The Grim Drive podcast explores mental health through the lens of professional sports and athletes. Pro athletes come forward more and more with stories about their mental health journey, what they have endured, and how they manage to push through, reflecting a mental health stigma that continues to be reduced. Pro athletes also leverage mindset to achieve peak performance, as well as representing and often driving elements of popular culture through the use of social media, technology, and personal branding. This places athletes front and center as role models for people of all ages, giving them a platform to reach many and deliver important information, including information about mental health. Welcome to the Grim Drive Podcast, where we explore mental health through the lens of professional sports and athletes. My name is Jonathan Busfield. I'm here, as always, with John Cuna. How's it going, Johnny? Going pretty well. Nice. Yeah, nice. I'm in a good mood today. Fantastic. Yeah. We are Today, we're going to be discussing Evander Kane and gambling. So, mo- I think most people may have at least come across this uh, this news, but if not, we'll just give you a quick rundown. So, basically, Evander Kane is a, is a uh, NHL player been super successful very good at what he does very good as a hockey player he's made i think just short of 56 million in career earnings so made a lot of money um he still has a contract i think with four more four or five more years on it making somewhere between seven and nine million a year yeah and somehow he is let's see i want to say about almost 27 million dollars in debt pretty hard to do okay Mm -hmm. unless there's a gambling problem and i think um gambling is something that we haven't talked about um you know on this podcast yet and I think it's actually kind of a, along with porn, is a bit of a blind spot in our field sometimes. I don't think clinicians always screen for these types of things, particularly mm-hmm. amongst guys. Uh, and I think both these issues have become more and more uh, relevant over the last few years, which we're going to get into a little bit. So the main premise is that, you know, Vander Kane is someone who clearly, through gambling and casinos mainly, has racked up this massive debt. I mean, I think he filed. So he he's just shy of owing twenty seven million dollars. He has filed for chapter seven, chapter yeah. eleven. I think bankruptcy. Uh, yeah. bankruptcy. Uh, his some of his assets, his ha- homes have been seized. I I don't know if he got a divorce or if he's in the process of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think his wife or ex wife uh, is now accusing him of uh, betting on hockey games, which is a whole different level of that. Um, yeah. Now he denies it, but one of the reasons, one of the problems with leaving someone with a gambling issue is that gambling and any addiction comes brings with it a lot of self deceit. And when you're predominantly deceiving yourself, you are going to lie to everybody else. Mm-hmm. That is just what goes with the territory until a person gets help. So it's very hard to take someone in Evander Kane's position at their word at on their anything, word, yeah. right? Right. Um, the the uh, spouse or ex spouse does not have really have an incentive to to lie. I don't think compared to someone like him who does. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't mean she's telling the truth or he's lying, but uh, it's tough. It's tough to believe him. So I think there's an investigation going on around whether he did bet on on hockey, um, games, yeah. on hockey games. And so far, I don't know. I think they're doing a very thorough investigation of that. Um, you know, it's it's tough to even know, right? Because he could have been doing it, or more likely, he hired what's called a beard, which is someone to bet place bets for you. Mm. And that's hard to track unless someone sort of speaks up and and uh, you know lets people know what was going on that they were that person that they knew who was or that kind of thing. So it just brings up an interesting topic. We want to talk about gambling. Um, you know, I want to get into a little bit about why gambling is addictive. I think the example I give for people, and this is why social media is addictive. It's not the winning or the losing that makes it addictive, right? It's that you know if anyone's ever seen roulette roulette table or played roulette. Um, I know you have the key. Uh, if anyone's listening, don't. 
don't worry about this. Uh, we're joking, by the way, but don't worry about this mm. if you want to play roulette by Johnny's rules because you'll always win. Um, <laughs> always. Just bet on double green. That's, that's the only one you have to do. So it's the only play. number that counts. Exactly. But yeah. um, when people are, all jokes aside, when people are, are gambling, roulette is a good example of what happens because when the ball is rolling around, that's actually when all the dopamine is being released, right? Yeah. And as opposed to like serotonin or other, um, you know, other hormones that are released in the body or the brain, dopamine is the is the drug of it's the it's the hormone of more, right? Mm -hmm. Serotonin, I think, some other ones like when when it's released and it causes sort of pleasurable or or good endorphins are other yeah, ones, yeah, yep, good uh, good reactions in the body or in the mind or both. There isn't. Um, there isn't the tendency or the need to come back and get more. It's just it was good and then you move on or the, mm -hmm. that's the way the body reacts to it. With dopamine, it's not like that. It's that was good. How do I get that back? Mm -hmm. Right. And it leads to this dependency on it to go seek more. And then you develop uh, a tolerance for that like any right. other addictive thing. Yep. And then you need to get more to create the same effect. Yeah. Try eating a single M&M. <laughs> right and see how that yeah. see how that goes. Don't exactly. be kind of the same thing, right? You exactly. get a little taste and you're like, ooh, that was great. Yep. Keep going, keep going, keep going, and then the exactly. bag is gone. Or for me, try to eat just a single Oreo and see how Minor that goes. Sugar cookies. Right. Same thing. Right. Yep. It's just yep. like it's just yep. not happening. No. It's gonna keep going no. and going and going. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I just don't buy sugar cookies because I can't, <laughs> can't, I can't have, have them the around house. the house because yeah. uh, that tub is gonna be gone, gone. in two days. Yep. Maybe one day. Yeah. So uh, that's a whole other topic for a different episode, I'm sure. <laughs> um, our, our past with binge eating uh, yeah. issues. Yep. Not not really. We're joking, but probably shouldn't make a lot of that. So with Evander Kane, though, like, look, if if when you're gambling, there is that dopamine release when that ball is rolling around. And you have to understand what that does to you at a neurological level. Like, it is hooking you in. It's making you need more. And when people get too into that, they're not even – they're not considering anything else. They're not considering winning or losing. They're not considering whether they're – blowing millions and millions of dollars and racking up debt or possibly going to get their assets seized, they are just a slave to that need for dopamine. And that's why it's so, so dangerous. And I think, um, you know, I think porn is probably pretty similar, right, in terms of the reaction of the brain that happens when using that kind of thing on, on multiple levels. But again, it's the search. Online porn. So, I want to kick it to you on this. You yeah. know, why, why, why do we think porn and, and gambling are somewhat synonymous in this sense or why do you think they're both problematic in your opinion? So I would say that they're both similar in the sense that you were just talking about, like the dopamine, the dopamine release. Um, the porn as like a topic, I would say, is not discussed enough. It's like the the hidden epidemic of itself yep. um, going on, especially for I, I I won't even say especially for young guys because I think it's a I think it's a problem for for uh, for everybody. But I think to your point, I think it's it's easy to gambling is more easy to access to. Porn is like a Type into a web browser at this point um, and find whatever you find whatever you want. You can you know for parents who I have these conversations all the time of like hey I found something kind of suspicious on the search engine. Um, those are for the savvy parents who actually know how to search search history, um, and you know they'll they'll put up blocks or things like that. But it's always it's, you can always access it, um, and we'll get into sort of like the how gambling is shifting in the in the future and how what that might do. We'll talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. But um, for porn especially, I've stopped asking if you watch porn and I ask how much porn do you watch. Yep. I, I don't I, because – Because you'll get a no. You'll get the I'll no, get the no. Yeah. And I know they I, I know they probably are watching porn. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll – you know, I'll ask – 
you know, adolescents. I'm not asking high schoolers if they're watching porn. I'm asking kids who are in like late middle school, early high school, if they're, you know, like how much porn are you consuming? And I think it's, I think for a multitude of reasons, I think for the dopamine piece, yes, it's, it's definitely problematic and it's easy to access and it develops that pattern of like, I want, which is part of the problem. Um, but also it just, it, it completely derails the image of like what actual intimacy is supposed to look like between two two people on like a romantic level. Mm-hmm. And I think it 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 desensitizes people to what sex is supposed to look like versus what it looks like on a computer on a computer screen. It's very different. Mm-hmm. Um so I think there's a lot of different issues with that. And I think it's created a lot of problems in relationships. Um, both either a person's watching too much porn, the other person is um, upset by that. So, you know, some people consider that to be cheating if mm-hmm. you're watching too mm-hmm. much porn or those types of things, which causes intimacy issues within the actual relationship. So there's whole lots of different things. And if if you're starting to have the conversation with with people when they're in their like early adulthood, um, you know, eighteen plus, you've missed years of them practicing. Yeah. And I think it's. So that's why I was, I've, I've shifted even in my own practice in the last few years. Like it used to be part of the screening process of like, Hey, do you watch, do you watch pornography online? And to your point, the answer was like, no, right? Especially for the younger guys, like, mm-hmm. no, absolutely not. And you, you knew that they were, but now it's just, I've shifted the language of just like, how much do you watch? Like how, how frequently or how consistent are you watching porn? Yeah. It's, it's a great point. And I, I, t- I tend to do the same thing with gambling. I'll get into, I usually go into fantasy sports. Yeah. Uh, so I'll start with sports watching, you know, what yeah. sports they play and watch. And then I'll get into fantasy sports because that's a bit of a bridge, right? Um, usually there's some money on that. I don't really consider that gambling. If it's like mm-hmm. a one-time paying 10 bucks, enter a league, you're paying 50 bucks. It's a one-time thing. But some people would say that that's not accurate and that yeah. maybe I'm uh, I'm biased and underselling it. Um, mm-hmm. Could be true. And then you have gambling on sports is kind of the next level, right? So I think talking about fantasy sports is a very much a natural segue to, you know, fantasy sports is great. How much how much your leagues cost? You know, what other times have you bet on sports kind of separately on these plays? You know, and then they'll just get into it because I think that happens actually a lot more now than we think too. This actually makes me realize that from a, in terms of pornography, we probably have to have our own episode. A whole on that. episode on it, yeah. um, because I have some some interesting thoughts on that. I think I want to do a deep dive on some data because I know in the past um, it was much more of a male issue, right? Females, and this is painting with a huge brush, doesn't even factor in gender fluidity and that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. in terms of like just from a binary perspective, so like males much more likely to watch porn and seek that out. Uh, women less likely to watch porn, more likely to uh, seek out graphic novels, believe it or not. Mm. That's that's actually how they would uh, you know, seek pleasure when they're by themselves is through that means of reading a story. Just shows you how people are programmed differently in terms of yeah. what um, what drives them in that sense. Yeah, I'd be curious if that was like stigma related to like, it could be, you know, like reading books is more acceptable to access pornography than it would be to like search on a website. And watch like porn online. So this, I'm cu- I, this I don't. No, this I don't this know. Is, I'm curious I'll to look learn into more it, about that. There was a book that went into this in in great detail called The Porn Trap. But again, this was written 2010 ish, I think. Mm-hmm. And so a lot has changed in the last 10, 11 years. Yeah. And I don't know that I would guess, especially that porn use, especially amongst young girls, has actually increased a lot. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. It might be because they feel pressure because the guys their age are also watching it or mm-hmm. it's such a common thing to talk about and, and yeah. see that they might feel like they have. I don't know. Yeah. But it's interesting. We should look into that because yeah. I think it would make for an interesting episode to try to figure out what is going on, how things have shifted in the last five, ten years. 
uh, why it's a massive problem across the board, that kind of thing. Yep. Lisa um, Lang at CNN did a really fascinating oh, really? Um, docu- like a little short mm-hmm. like docu- – I wouldn't even necessarily call it a documentary. It was kind of like a short clip or a short series um, on, on that. So I'd encourage um, some people to check that out. That was released I think within the last – Two two okay. years maybe I can't remember if it was pre or post pandemic. It's just the way that my brain works mm-hmm. now. But uh, but it was really fascinating, and she talked about it a lot. Of like, this is an epidemic that people aren't talking enough about. So yeah, yeah I think we yeah. should dedicate an entire time to absolutely to talk about it. So we know both those issues, gambling and porn, are definitely issue, uh, massive issues for guys in particular. But we're going to get into a little bit more of like maybe in that next episode of if it's also uh, if, it, if it impacts people. I mean, it impacts people outside of just guys because if guys are having issues with it, then it impacts most right. of the people in their life, right. uh, if not just the intimate partner they they may have. Yep. Um, so let's talk a little bit about why gambling. So a lot there's been a lot of information lately um, about gambling being legalized, right? Yeah. Uh, sports betting in particular. There are platforms now that you can uh, use to legally gamble on sports. Usually, it's state specific. I think mm-hmm. so, like FanDuel, places like that. Yep, yep. So you can you can do it within New Hampshire borders. I think mm-hmm. um, is it legal in Massachusetts yet? I don't think it is, but it's going to be. I mm-hmm. think so. the 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 movement is sort of like cannabis, where it's like it it's eventually going to be legal everywhere. It seems like that's where it's trending across mm-hmm. the board with cannabis and with gambling. Yeah, um, too much money to be had. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's a, sort of an untapped. Uh, untapped market, excuse me, mm-hmm. and I think when it comes to lucrative untapped markets, only a matter of time before the powers that be legalize that to tap it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I'm kind of I'm kind of curious to hear like what your thoughts are of with that in- inevitability of it becoming legal. Like, w- what do you see as those issues moving forward? Like, what what do you see as going to be the problematic places that we should be paying attention to? It's a good point. I, it's a good question. I would say. So we have talked in the past about like financial freedom and about how now one of the great things about social media and the internet and things like that is that I think information about easy to access, easy to understand information about financial freedom has become more available to people, Right. which I think is really key. And I think um, people who are younger now have access to information about the credit score system and about how to become financially free, about return on investment, compound interest, uh, you know, growing your your uh, financial base so that you're yeah, financially free. Yeah, revenue streams. Yeah, that, yeah. That, and that information is much more accessible now. It doesn't mean everyone accesses it, but certainly a lot more people, I think, now than in our generation, let alone the one before us, right? Yeah. Our parents' generation were like, credit cards were kind of new and like, they're mm-hmm. just plastic and, right? We've talked a lot about that. I mean, I, I feel like gambling becoming legal is actually going to neutralize that benefit because people are going to, if you give people... Uh, access to a potential dopamine rush through we talk about stuff through the lens of sports so through the lens of sports right because they'll be gambling on sports which is an activity they love to watch i i don't even know if we know the catastrophic impact that that's going to have on Mm -hmm. particularly on young guys i think they're going to i think their ability to enjoy sports is going to be diminished i think their mental health is going to be impacted i think the relationships will be impacted in a very negative way and their ability to achieve financial freedom will definitely be impacted because they will go for the quick fix, short win, and guess what, guys? Like, if you think that that system is set up to let you win tons of money, <laughs> you're lying to yourself, right? These people that set the odds makers and casinos and these platforms, Vegas. like, yeah. there's a reason they're going to be huge, massive businesses, and it's not because you're going to beat them. Like, mm-hmm. that's just not what it's going to be. So, if you want to think that you're going to, you're deluding yourself. And so, I, I would just caution people because that's what's going to happen. A lot of people are going to lose their shirt. Um, there's not enough checks and balances in place to prevent that from happening, in my opinion. I'd have to look into it more in terms of what these platforms do, other than just give a 
you know, a uh, 30 second verbal thing at the beginning when you sign up. Like, if you have a gambling problem, call this number. Like, give me a break. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's a cover your ass kind of thing that they do just so they don't get sued by somebody. Mm-hmm. But it's not like actually, it, if they really care, they wouldn't even set this thing up, right? right. If we're being honest. So I think uh, financial freedom of younger generations is going to be drastically impacted. Um, work ethic is going to be impacted, right? I think people are susceptible to falling for the lie that is like the the quick rise to r- being rich or or that kind of thing right yeah. they they don't want to put in the work um they often don't want to put in the work and even when they start doing that if they're presented with some quick fix path to that they're going to possibly take it and it's going to ruin the 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 actual organic hard work driven path that's going to get them there this right. is going to cut that out because we know that like if you're trying to achieve financial freedom you have to let compound interest work for you, which means you have to get started early right. and you have to have ways of kind of bringing in that income and work ethic is what's going to do it. If you're gambling that money away, it's the opposite of compound interest, right? You're taking all the, the foundation of what would be your financial freedom and you're just wiping out with a bulldozer, essentially. Right. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so that's the second one. Relationships, definitely, uh, you know, I said that before, but anytime someone has a, an addiction issue and or financial problems mm-hmm. those two things are massive problems for relationships it's very hard particularly you know marriages or, or uh, you know intimate relationships it's very hard for that stuff to to be sustained if you have these types of problems so right. that's there's gonna be a ripple effect of that and then I don't know if it's gonna have an impact on the economy I mean I, I think maybe it's equalized out I mean some of these companies will be making tons of money mm-hmm. which I guess adds jobs and adds uh, ta- you know tax revenue and things like that. But then you have other people that um, would have been uh, having higher incomes personally and then that they would be contributing more by spending more money and Mm -hmm. by earning their own money and paying taxes that they're not going to be. So I don't know. I'm not an economist. I don't know the impact of this, whether it's a net negative, a net uh, wash or Mm -hmm. a net negative or or what. Um, But I would would have to think it's going to have some impact on, you know, uh, missed work days and spending because they're spending their money is going all into this. I don't know. So those are my thoughts on that in general. Yeah. I mean, we've seen examples of when people are given access to things that make them feel really good and what that happens, right? Like we're, we're well past the point of like the, the opioid crisis of what happened when we gave people painkillers, not really knowing the, the total income. And, and well, actually now they did sort of know what they were mm-hmm. doing. Um, and I, that, that's, I think and that plays in the back of my head, like giving people access to something that's going to like you to your point, like give that immediate dopamine rush. Agreed. We've seen this play out yeah. before, not in the same, not in the same realm, but we've seen a similar method yeah. of how this works. And I think maybe this is just the cynic in me talking, but I think it's, it's proven to be a lucrative move for big companies to do this, knowing the outcomes of what they can, what they can do with not really con- considering the user right um and that was one that was a term that now i think about more often when user the user right from that netflix documentary of like these big two people that talk about users are drug addict people who are selling like drugs to people illegally and then people who are on like social media like social media big tech talk about like Mm -hmm. users Mm -hmm. and i think of this as like the same type of move Mm -hmm. um of trying to create users yeah I guess I'm. I guess I'm cynical about this. I'm. I. I am mostly optimistic about most things and try to find the positive reframe in most things. But this one feels like a really dangerous, slippery slope if things aren't done in a in an appropriate way. And I think we've. I think we're 
seeing history repeat itself because I think some of the people in, in positions of power know that this is going to be a potential lucrative move for them and not really concerned about what the users are going to be or the the cost of what that will look like. Yeah, so, agreed, yeah. agreed. Um, so it's interesting. I think it will be an ongoing discussion. I'm sure we'll probably have a second um, part about about this topic yeah. um, because it's, it's very nuanced and particularly about Vander Kane, you know, it, it's hard to know right now. We try not to speculate, right? So I think this is clear. To, we're going based off him filing for bankruptcy, it being common knowledge that he has gambled uh, at casinos and not paid debts. I think he owes $1.5 million to some casino in Vegas, and mm-hmm. his total debts are about twenty-seven. Um, that's public information. But in terms of what's going on now, in terms of him potentially gambling on uh, hockey, we don't know that. And right. um, I think I'll caution people to jump to that conclusion until the investigation of the NHL is complete, and right. then we'll know more information at that right. time. Yep. Um, but it's it's interesting, and I do worry that it's going to be a massive issue over the next ten years, particularly. Mm-hmm. So it's something we'll we'll definitely revisit at some point. Yeah. Um, so that's it for today. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. As always, please check us out on on YouTube and hit subscribe. We're trying to get that number up. We want to get feedback from people. That's the most important thing. More important than subscriber numbers, we just want feedback. Like, yeah. give us some comments. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know if you have any questions or, or suggestions about topics that we might be able to cover. Uh, we always appreciate that. So I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the Grim Drive Podcast for this discussion about Evander Kane and gambling. And we'll be back next week. Thanks, everyone.